0: That's the conversation of disillusionment. And let's face it, you know, sometimes you have to talk about things that some people know about, other people can't draw on any actual experience. You have to sort of imagine what it's like. Well, if I talk about the, the sort of the twin sisters of disappointment and disillusion, we all know those. We all have direct personal experience with disappointment and disillusion. So who hasn't been disappointed? It's of life. And disappointment, defined as a failure of expectations, you know, the kind of thing, think about it, like you, you're looking forward, some friends are coming into town, you haven't seen you from college for a long time, you have this, this night you've been looking forward to, and it's not that it was bad, it just isn't what you thought it would be. It started disappointing, it wasn't a bad night, it just didn't live up to what you thought would happen. The dream vacation, people say for years, you know, to go to Europe or something, you go to Asia, and they actually take the vacation, it was a good vacation, but it wasn't what they thought, it wasn't what they hoped. Some make more serious, some like a career. People think, you know, when I finally finish, so I finished med school, law school, figure whatever, that I finally have my job, wow, my ship will come in. And they find out that actually, it's good, but it's not really what I thought it was going to be exactly. So it's all about, disappointment is about, it's just not what I hoped it would be. The more serious of the two sisters is disillusionment. This is finding out that something we really believe in just isn't true. Or, is there something that we believe really isn't true. We know that. We play, find heroes with feet, feet of clay. You know, people we had really admired, we had trusted. And we find out they're not at all the people they thought, we thought they were. Really, we're really disillusioned. We find institutions let us down, institutions that are supposed to protect us, actually do the opposite. We're horrified. We're just really disillusioned. How could that happen? Now, faith itself is no stranger to disappointment and disillusion. That's what we see in today's gospel, of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I love these words, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Clearly, that's a past hope. (laughs) We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And you know something? In recent years, I think this gospel really speaks especially to those of us in the 21st century church. To me, it's mind-numbing, the turnaround of the society around us. Take just the last 20 or the last 10 years. We've come from a nation that, wrongly perhaps, but thought of itself as fundamentally Christian in the sense that many people actually believed in Christ, but almost everyone respected Christianity. It was a part of our heritage. It was one of the things that made us great, whether we believed or not. That was the general view of the society around us. Now, we've come pretty much to a post-Christian world where people don't even believe in objective truth. And people are frankly quite hostile to Christian faith. And not only the gospel, faith, but Christianity in particular. Wow, have things turned around. And we might think in this situation, maybe we're asking some of the questions the disciples were asking. Yeah, our families always believed, and I've gone to Christian college and things, but were we wrong to put our trust in Jesus? Is, is it maybe time, maybe they're right, is it time to move on? You know, maybe, does somebody know, get the memo we didn't get? Hmm. And the good news this morning, his gospel is always good news, is the story of Emmaus is all about hope. Pure hope. It starts in disappointment and disillusionment, but it ends in faith and joy. They rush back in the middle of the night to spread the good news. And we can ask ourselves, okay, can that be true of us as well? Today, us, personally, not reading about somebody else's experience, can that be true of us as well? Good points. Well, let's first look at something, first of all, we might miss. You know, they are right to be disillusioned. Disillusionment is not a bad thing. you are disillusionment finding we believe something which isn't true. They believed something about Jesus that was simply not true. They had a view of the Messiah that had no relationship to reality. They needed to be disillusioned. That was a false belief. They needed a true belief. And the first step to true belief is getting rid of false belief. And so we have in our personal the conviction, right? We find out in our life, no, we don't have it all together. This is the first step. They needed to be disillusioned. They had a Palm Sunday faith. From the crowds and the palm branches and hosanna. This was, you know, they had they believed in glory, restoration, and new relationship to the nations. Well, what did those mean? Glory meant a kingly defeat of Israel's enemies. You know, finally the Romans would get what they deserved. They would be on top. Restoration, the kingdom of Israel, would be restored as a great nation. You know, the glory of David and Solomon would be restored. And finally, a new relationship to the nation, it's our turn to be on top. Mm. You know, all the nations would be under subjection to them. This was the hope. Um, this is something, this Palm Sunday type of faith is actually, we see that with Peter in his great moment. Remember he says, Jesus says, who do people say I am? And they answer the question, well, some people say Elijah, you know, some people say John the Baptist, maybe one of the prophet. He says, who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, he says, oh, Peter says, he says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, no mortal has told you this is from my Father. What's the very next thing that Jesus talks about? He talks about the fact he's going to die. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, etc. And what's Peter's response to this? Hmm. God forbid. (laughs) Hmm. So he believed the Messiah, but he didn't understand what Jesus was all about, did he? And what does Jesus say? Behind me, Satan. You have the message all wrong. You're saying the right words, but it's the wrong message. Right words, wrong message. And... What they needed, what was the truth of the gospel? So those things are true about the glory, but the glory—they what they needed is a Good Friday, Easter Sunday faith, not a Palm Sunday faith. Big mm-hmm. difference. So yes, there'd be glory, but the glory, ironically, was Jesus on the cross. No one was seeing glory that day unless you had the eyes of faith. That is where Jesus actually was the victorious King who triumphed over sin and death. Remember Jesus before his crucifixion says, "Now is this time for the Son of Man to be glorified," and he's speaking of his death on the cross, not his resurrection, of his death on the cross. That's what the victory looked like. It's like a, what, like a Roman a triumphal parade. That was what victory looked like. It was on the cross, and that was his kingship. Remember, that's exactly why in Mark, John really emphasizes in his gospel account, probably read during Holy Week, that Jesus really is king. They're trying to be ironic, but he really is king on the cross. That's his moment. Jesus is now the king of the Jews. Remember, they say, well, why don't you change the sign and put he said he was king of the Jews? He said, "What I've written, I've written. They're really firm about that. Jesus won't deny he's king, but the moment of his kingship, his victory is over sin and death, and it's on the cross. Mm -hmm. So there is glory, but it's not the glory of Israel's enemies being defeated. It's the glory of Jesus being, or God triumphing over sin and death, being the perfect image of God. What about restoration? Yes, there was certainly restoration, but it wasn't the kingdom of Israel, which is never restored. It was about the restoration of the image of God in every one of us. Remember, we said we were all created in the image and likeness of God, and something terrible happened with that image, and that image is restored. You know, in in the man, Jesus Christ, true God, true man, that image is restored. That's the restoration. It's the restoration of fallen humanity, not an earthly kingdom. And what about new relationship to the nations? Absolutely, but it wasn't putting everyone in subjection. it was embracing the nations, not subjugating them. Bringing the gospel to all the world. The promise to Abraham that you will be a blessing to all the nations, a blessing. So they needed they needed to be disillusioned. But you yearning know, we to disappointed in our walk in faith, maybe we need to be disillusioned too. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the things we believe just aren't so, and finding out that's true is a really good thing. The first start towards hope. For example, I think a lot of people, in ministry I find a lot of people look at faith sort of like a service contract on your washing machine. No, seriously, I think that's pretty much what it is. It is you, you put something in, you know, it cost you something, you, know, you, you go to church, you do basic morality and things. Uh, but basically you expect that there might be a lot of close calls. You know, you, The washing machine will break down, but it will get fixed. Nothing really bad will happen. You know what I'm talking about. We all know this. Maybe it's us. Is it somehow walking with God? Yes, things will happen, but they'll all sort out in the end. In the end, you won't die of cancer. You know, in the end, you will get the job. In the end, justice will be done. In the end, that's, it's the service it, it might be messy when they come and fix the machine, but you know, the fact is, in the end, it will work and you won't have to pay anything. That view of God. Well, wow, that's... Not the right belief. <laughs> Jesus, a few weeks ago, in, in Luke's gospel, told us something sudden was really interesting We might have missed it. One day, they come, the disciples come up to him and they said, You know, uh, did you hear about that thing about some Galileans who were in the temple worshiping? And, and Pilate's pe- people came in and actually killed them there in the temple in the middle of a worship service. He's talking about the victims of, phys- of human evil. Jesus says, he is what, we call that a story. He said, what about the guys who were in the tower of so long? 18 people, a natural disaster. 18 people died in the tower. He said, what do you think of that? What was his point? Bad things happen to good people. That's his point. There are the, bad things happen. The idea that somehow our walk would kind God of, Are these people worse? Said, of course not. There's no connection. Bad things happen to good people. So what's the reality of the gospel? How do we get past, how do we get disillusioned and find out the truth? First of all, the good news, we have a personal path to Easter, but it passes through a personal Good Friday. (laughs) Basically, all heresies try to get around that fact. We want to find a detour, an easier way to get around. We want to get to Easter Sunday without going through Good Friday. Heresies all come down to that one way or another, essentially. How do I get to Easter Sunday and avoid that, that terrible route into the bumpy road through Good Friday? And so, what does does the gospel say? It says, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So we talk about the church of uh, faith like it's self-actualization, right? In our society, everything is judged by how does it make me feel? How does it validate me? How does it inform me? How does it make me better? Well, the path Jesus has isn't about self-actualization. It's about death to self. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will save it and he, said, and he said to them, if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me you notice know, he doesn't say a few great saints, you know, saying a lot of followers, but there are a few people who really you know, take a cross so he says, if anyone is going to, would, would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me so we know our, our road to Easter, everyone's road goes to good Friday, a personal good Friday before he died in a death like his United we know this isn't making our best self. This is basically dying to self, to enter into the life of God. And finally, this is not about a new and improved personal life. It's a share in God's life. God doesn't come into, come into our life. We enter into God's life. This is where He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me, is how Paul describes it. We have God's agenda. We don't try to fit God into our agenda. A lot of times, I think in our faith, what happens is we're like people who try to work out things, uh, you know, on their calendars. You know, we accept, you know, God, we're going to work this thing out. Let's try to have lunch every week. And so we, you know, here's what we're going to try to do: certain basic things. We said, look, I'll send Sunday morning. We'll get together, okay? Uh, know, I'll call every night and said, well, we'll pray every night, okay? We'll do these things. I'll try to work you into the calendar. Faith means we throw out our calendar. We have God's calendar. That's the only calendar we have. That's what real faith looks like. You know, you know in the words of Bonhoeffer, faith is, is free, but it ain't cheap. So that's the real, that's, if, that's not our, if that's not our gospel, we are holding God to promises he's never made. I have a sister who's an attorney who loves to tell me with clients, she says, all of these people have made these implied contracts that no one's ever made. And they say, if I do this, of course they will do it. No one ever said that. And they come to us in a drink. No one ever made that deal. Where did you come up with this? Where does this come from? So what we have is that if we're having this self-actualization gospel. We're going to find out that we're holding God to a promise He never made. God never said we'd be spared bad things happening in our life. God never said your mom, my mother, will not die of cancer, even though you can leave and pray real hard. God did not say you're going to be unjustly lose your job. Never said anything like that. He only promises the cross and resurrection. And if you have the other gospel, uh, you're going to ask things like, why didn't God answer my prayers? Boy, in pastoral work, you hear this all the time. Why didn't God answer my prayers? Well, the joy of the gospel that we have is the gospel is about eternal hope. And life only makes sense with the resurrection. That we're going to share God's life. We start already sharing God's life, and we share it forever. Now, there is a prayer. Prayer is always answered. But what's the prayer that's always answered? God's prayer is this. We ask God, what would you have me do now? And give me the grace to do it. I guarantee you that prayer is always answered. It's the prayer after God's heart. What do you want me to do? What's your vision? We share this together. You know, we're co-workers with God, as Paul said. What is your vision? What would you have me do right now, 20 minutes from right now? What would you have me do? And give me the grace to do it. That prayer is always answered. That's what Real faith looks like. Well, let's go beyond disappointment and disillusion. We want to be disillusioned of false faith. Faith is not about making this life better. It's not our life better. It's about entering into God's life. Well, what about sadness? Going down, what about just the sadness? Why can't Jesus reveal himself to us as he did to the disciples of the Lord you Now, why was that then? They, with all these people who, have these, who saw the resurrected Jesus, why can't we have that kind of experience? Here and now. And... The good news is the story of the Gospel of Luke we have today is we do. We have the same experience of God that they do. First of all, notice some facts in the story that are of great hope. Jesus was with them long before they recognized the fact. Jesus was, was there a long time. The fact that they didn't recognize the fact didn't mean he wasn't there. He was walking right alongside them. They were blind. We talk about... we. He, We had to see what was always there. Jesus is God. He's a man. He's with us. So the isn't question isn't come, Lord Jesus, be here. He's already here. It's opening our eyes to see him. We're looking at all the wrong places. He's right, he's right here. And also, the next thing is notice where do they meet him? They meet him as they're walking together as church, and they meet him in his word and at the table. The two places they emphasize in Emmaus are at the word and the table. This isn't accidental. You see, Luke is writing his Gospels long after the events, and there's, the church is dealing with a very practical issue people had. What do we do with Jesus? You know, what's happened is a lot of time has gone by. So what's our relationship? You know, there are people who lived and knew, etc., but that's not us anymore. You know, we're getting a whole group of people who've never known him personally and things. Is, is Jesus something we remembered from the past? Is this something we look nostalgically back to the past? Or is this a present reality? And the whole story of Emmaus' reminds us what was true for them. It's a present reality of what church has always done. We still meet Jesus in his word and at his table. He's alive. That's where we meet him. And notice in his word, it's the spirit of Jesus who leads us through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. They knew the scriptures. This wasn't a flash, They were devout. But it said he walks them through and suddenly when Jesus is speaking directly to them, what happens? They said, weren't our hearts warm within us? Suddenly, it makes sense. This, again, we've said it. I've been here before again and again. Why do we stand for the gospel? It's the church is reminding us physically, matter matters physically, that we're not reading about Jesus. We're hearing him. Jesus is not an object we look at. He's someone we, we connect with. It's reminding us we can never reduce this to something happened then. is, is Jesus speaking now so that's when we are when will when we see Jesus in the scriptures when we actually expect to hear him until that moment if we're reading about him we won't, we won't see Jesus you know seminary professors are atheists <laughs> they know the bible but they know the fact is they don't hear Jesus it's when we actually come to hear Jesus and listen openly that's when we hear him that's the story then they heard the God what did our hearts warm That's the Holy Spirit when he spoke to us and showed us opened to us the scriptures and where do they recognize him they recognize him in the breaking of the bread, right? They, that's where they recognize it. And again, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, in our Eucharist, we have something called the apathesis. It's just a just a Greek word means the prayer of calling down. Remember Elijah in the Old Testament, where they have the contest, the priests of Baal, and what does he say? He he calls God, send your fire. Upon them. You know, this is you make it happen. This isn't a human thing. Remember the prophets of Baal tried desperately, nothing happens. You send your fire. And he sends us fire. The thing is, send your spirit upon these gifts. Make them for us. You know, the body and blood of your son. And Paul says that participation is the body and blood. And that's not the only thing. You need the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's us. You know, we also, traditionally, we say, and sanctify us also is two things after The Holy Spirit has to work two ways. He has to make the reality of Jesus present, and he has to make us open to receive that reality. It's all, But it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who opens the Scriptures. That's what we hear. The Spirit of Jesus, he's also called the Spirit of you. The Spirit of Jesus opens the Scriptures to us. Then it warms. then it convicts. It's the Spirit of Jesus that not only makes this a reality, but makes us a participant in the reality. Otherwise, like Paul says, they we're just eating eating condemnation to ourselves, eating and drinking condemnation. That's what makes it real to us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The cup of blessing we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ. And what's the last thing that happened? We, have, we might miss this. What do they do after this magic moment? Do they sit around back and get another, another glass of wine and see how magical the moment was? Let's think about it some more. Wasn't it great? What's the, what do they do? They rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together. Then they told them what had happened on the road, and he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. If we meet Jesus, we will tell others about him. It's like Moses. When God, Moses spoke with God, his Facebook, he was different. He didn't ask for his Facebook, but it happened. If we meet the risen Lord, we will share him. That'll be one of our signs. If we meet the risen Lord, we will tell people about him. We will Somehow this will come out. So again, how are we as 21st Christians, century Christians who experience the risen Jesus today, we need him more than ever, is not to look for Jesus as a historical memory. Is to look at him to think, I love this, at the tomb, what does the angel say? And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the man said to him, then, why do you seek the living among the dead? I love that, why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, the place to find Jesus isn't in the past. He's Emmanuel, we find him now. That's where we'll find him. Why do you see the living among the dead? Okay? And, and where and how do we connect with the living when we find him? Where is he to found? In church, in, in his body, his, as his very body. We hear him together as church. We read the scriptures together as church and we meet him together at his table. That's where we find him. That's why this diocese, our our mission, our vision as a diocese, we talk about a renewal of word and sacrament. Uh, Infused by the Holy Spirit. Again, either one without the Holy Spirit or nothing. We've said that before, right? The Word without the Holy Spirit is just an old book. Might as well read the Iliad. You know, it's it's an old book. Okay. (laughs) And the thing is, you know, uh, the the table. This is just play acting. If we don't, it's about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just about rituals. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that infuses these things and makes them real, becomes God working with us. And we have that today. So our conclusion, then, is if our spiritual lives leave us unsatisfied, maybe it would be a good time to ask if we needed to be disillusioned. Maybe we need to abandon this false gospel it's all about improving my life and self-actualization and being validated and embrace the true true gospel, which is taking up our cross and following Jesus. You know, it's amazing when we actually, in God's eyes, serve, that's, you think, people how do find Jesus? Well, love the people Jesus loves, and you'll find out Jesus will be right next to you serving. That's where you'll see him, right next to you. That's where we find him. And if we need to experience Jesus, we look for him where he is to be found. In his word, at his table, in the midst of his body, the church. So let's have our special prayer today. The Lord, let our hearts burn within us as you speak to us through your living word. Let our eyes be open to your living presence among us as we gather at your table. If we do, though, then we can have the witness that the disciples had on that first Easter evening. They told what had happened on the road and how it was known to them in the breaking of the